Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Amen. Grab your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to look at that text. As our service progresses this evening, we'll hear from my esteemed colleagues on the left. I'm very excited to see what the Lord is going to do here. I'll be mindful of the time. I know that we have three speakers, which is more than you're used to. But we all have a fixed amount of time, and we're going to do our best to respect that. I'll be speaking about the family at large, and we'll hear in a moment from Sister Sellers from a feminine aspect and Brother Henderson from a masculine aspect of the Christian family. So tonight is all about you. Recently, Pastor Lopez presented to us the idea that as the church, we're part of the family of God, engrafted into the body, which requires spiritual bodybuilding. You remember that? To maintain the strength of the Christian family. And then Pastor Carson so eloquently reminded us that we're part of a family tree. Can you say amen? We need to tie a ribbon on the critical things of God that are important to identifying us as part of the apostolic family. Tonight, Pastor, I give honor to you, to Sister Carson. I value your visionary leadership, heart for souls, passion for excellence, and your influence and impact in the life of my family. We are blessed at Calvary. Can you say amen? Amen. Now let's look at Joshua chapter 24. Verse number 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me, can you read this part with me? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity tonight to hear from your word. We ask God that you would look in on the remainder of this service, God. Bless, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You can be seated. The Family Ministries framework at Calvary has an extensive footprint, I dare say, as you consider the family begins at birth, does it not? And it ends at death. Therefore, no one at any stage of life is outside of the family framework. You are part of the family. It's critical Therefore, to intentionally speak an edifying word into our families, because we collectively believe that strong families make a strong church. Can you say amen? Amen. 
The world is working against us. The world is working overtime to break down the family and to weaken the church. In fact, while we enjoy tremendous revival here at Calvary, it's worth noting the church at large in the United States is facing crisis. Mr. Barna's research indicated that 59% of young adults had entirely stopped attending church, even though in their teen years they were at church. Another study showed that two out of three empty nest parents have at least one child that's not walking with the Lord. 50% of marriages in the U.S. are ending in divorce. But I say in spite of a gloomy outlook, I think that we stand in a unique position and therefore know that even now, God is working in this day. Can you say amen? I believe the Circle City Revival will be impactful and will make a difference for Indianapolis. God is inspiring fathers to become loving spiritual leaders of their families and renewing mothers. A sense of priority regarding ministry within the home. And I believe it is a ministry within the home. God is bringing hope to the hopeless marriage and bringing our prodigal children back. I'm encouraged about what God is doing, but I'm aware and mindful about what the enemy and the world is doing. That said, the world is targeting our children. They're coming after their minds, their hearts. They're working to corrupt their principles, confuse their identities, and God forbid, buying to steal their souls. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we find it important to curb technology, surfing and gaming, to be intentional. We have to recognize the enemy's tactics and we must fight to protect our children. Hallelujah. We need to be disruptive as parents, godly and bold. Can you say amen? The book of Ephesians chapter 6 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But the Bible doesn't stop there, does it? It goes on in the next verse and tells us how we can manage that threat and how we can be victorious. It says in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth, having owned the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Mm. That brings me to my title, Empowering the Christian family. Well, I recognize there are many areas we could evaluate this evening. I suggest that we reflect on three, three that have the propensity to empower the Christian family. The first of which is found in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40. The Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. I feel everybody in children's ministries just smirked. I'm all about order. I'm all about structure. We start on time. We end on time. Do we not, Sister Debbie? Help me now. We're all about order. It's important. It's important in the family. It's simply this. God, family, the church. God is always first in any line of authority. Do you believe that? But just below God rests this critical union called the family. 
A friend recently said to me, the only reason I can separate from my family for even a while is because I believe there is a promise that we will be reunited and joined together again. If I can say it differently, I'll say it like this. The heart longs for companionship, Brother Hout. The, the heart longs for companionship. Family must be a priority. And the church falls just below family. All of these are delicate to balance because they're all in line to the throne. God as the head. Wherever we go, we honor God by taking him with us. You believe that? By remembering that we're Christians in Los Angeles and Miami and Greece, just like we are here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We honor the family by ensuring we're prioritizing good structured family times, both spiritually and naturally. We honor the church by being present. Can you say amen? amen? By being a blessing, by being a giver of both time and resources. It's important that we teach our children how to honor God, how to honor the family, how to honor the church. What's one of those commandments? I think it says, honor thy father and mother that thy days might be long. Such wisdom. The second practical area of focus is best illustrated in an answer to a question I raised to Mason this summer after what we called the men's fishing trip, the fellas fishing trip. We found ourselves in the beautiful waters of Missouri where streams are stocked with rainbow trout. I find it quite hilarious. You're in those crystal clear waters, waders on. You watch these trout as they begin to look at your bait and for the sleeper, they're just not quite sure. It's a little bit of a tease whether or not they're going to strike. But we did all right. We did all right. The five of us caught a bounty of fish. Sixty fillets came back home for the fish fry. But when we got home, I asked Mason, I said, buddy, what was the most important or most enjoyable thing about that trip? And without hesitation for the ridge, he just looked at me and said, time. I said, what do you mean? Time, Dad, time with you, time with Brother Henderson, time with the brothers, just, just time. Not any one particular thing, Brother Robeson, other than time. That's what our kids want from us, time, time. You know what? I find that we make time for whatever we think is important, whatever we want to do. I enjoy developing leaders. I enjoy mentoring people. I enjoy being mentored. I make time for that. I enjoy hanging out with my friend. I make time for that. At the beginning of this year, I was very intentional about my marriage. Going into the end of last year, I reached out to a buddy and I said, look, I could use your help. I want you to hold me accountable. My marriage is important to me. Anybody else feel that way? I said, I want to do a date night every month. I've been seeing people doing that. I don't know. I think it maybe could make a difference. I started praying Song of Solomon. I started every day I was praying Song of Solomon. God, revival in the marriage would be okay. Nothing was wrong. I just wanted to go deeper. Time was important to me in my marriage. Do you know the 27th year of my marriage has been the best year of my marital life? Because I went in intentionally and I said, time is important and it matters. Now, the other day, pastor invited me to guest lecture at Indiana Bible College. I was delighted. It was the pastoral care and counseling class. I talked to them 
uh, before we got into the children's ministry scenarios about what I call the three D's and the one R. And uh, uh, this doctrines, distinctives, and disciplines. And if you really think about it, those three D's define us. They drive us as apostolics. Can I get an amen? In my assessment, they are superseded by only one thing, and that is our relationship with Christ. They're critical to the success of empowering the apostolic family. So how do we bring these three D's and one R to life? Quite simply, family devotion, reading the Bible, praying, working together as a family. On January 1st of this year, I joined together our family with another family because we decided reading the Bible was going to be critical to the Healy's this year. And so we joined together with another family and we are 289 days into completing the you version. I get to check that box. Don't you love checking the box? You've completed that scripture reading for the day, but you know what I love? Somebody said to me, well, Brother Healy, that's quite vulnerable that you're doing that with another family, that they can look in on you and see if you've read your scripture today. I'm quite fine with that because I'm trying to make it to heaven. I, I have no problem with anybody asking me if I'm reading the word of God because it's that important to me. Amen. Amen. At the Healy residence, we pause intentionally every night for prayer. Is that right, buddy? 9, 9.30 at night. I haven't traveled a lot due to COVID, but prior to that, I was traveling all over the country at times. I would call home at that time. Maybe I was out west at a business. Hey, let me, let me slip away for a moment. I got to make a call because family prayer is that important. That important to stop what you're doing. Make it a priority and pray with your family. It does get quiet at times, but I know you're with that. Come on. We need to be a praying church. We need to be a praying family. Can you say amen? Before the power came in Acts chapter 2, Jesus told them in Luke 24 and 49 to tarry. And for days, the apostles tarried in prayer. You can see Acts 1 and 14. And then the Bible says the power fell. Prayer often proceeds a demonstration of the power of God. We need prayer in our homes because we need power in the street. And that's only going to come if we experience prayer in the home. We need boldness. We need apostolic authority. We need signs and wonders. That's how we know we're living right and doing right. A life dedicated to prayer. I believe the deeper that we pray, the more God will use us. Can you say amen to that? It's no accident that prayer came before the preached word. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and then we'll skip to 39. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Verse 39, you see what happened a couple of verses later. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and he cast out devils. I'm suggesting to you that the Christian family adopts these disciplines so that family can be in unity and God can use your family in witness and in discipleship to advance the work and the kingdom of God. Prayer, prayer. We have got to show our kids that effective Christian families spend time on their knees. 
This is where we pray the fire of God into our circumstances, knowing that he's able to make a difference, Sister Kilman. He's able to make a difference. Can you say amen? Without prayer, the Christian family seems lifeless, lacks empathy, and falters without impact. Now, I hasten to my close. I'll draw your attention to the screen where you see a bird, which was an amazing handcrafted gift from my grandfather, Little. His skill in wordworking was remarkable, building many homes, including his own, and even the family heirloom you see on the screen today. In addition to that, this book, the measurement and carpentry book, this one happens to be on being a roof framer. I sat upstairs next to Brother Tipsword a few moments ago, and he noticed the book, a framer. In addition to the bird, this book, worn and tattered, is an instruction book. If you can see the little notes slipped in there of exactly how to frame a roof. My grandfather wasn't necessarily a man of faith, to my knowledge. He exemplified hard work, though. He exemplified faithfulness to his family, financial stewardship, and was a tremendous craftsman and builder. We need people like Grandpa Little, don't we? We've got people like that that can teach us very practical life skills. But from what I observed, he never really knew much about Christ. I can assure you even that instructional guide on woodworking would not help me create that board, that bird right there. Why don't you stand as I'm now hastening to a close? This brings me to a final probing question to ask you to consider. What are you leaving behind for your family? Is it perhaps how to measure, how to do woodworking or is it how to live an overcoming life for Christ? Perhaps how to raise a family to love the things of God? Is it how to build up his kingdom? Maybe how to teach a Bible study, how to illustrate the plan of salvation, how to invite somebody to church, how to talk through the doctrines of the oneness of God, baptism in full immersion in the name of Jesus, or pray somebody through at the altar to the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The Word of God is our guidebook. We should work daily to leave behind a heritage, a legacy, a passion for the things of God. So let me now end where I started as the prophet asked us to consider in Joshua 24 and 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Lift your hands and let's just pray. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge that you've put before us today to reunite once again and commit our values and our principles in the family to the work of God. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, Calvary.